0: for sharing about young life and thank the Lord for how effective it's been and how God's been blessing the ministry. The quality of a society is largely defined by how it treats its weakest members. The quality of a society is is largely defined by how it treats its weakest members. Randy Alcorn said that. Because all human life is valuable, How we value human life is expressed in how we treat all humans, true. All lives matter. But it is especially seen in how we treat the orphan, the widow, the immigrant, the elderly, the chronically ill, the poor, the disabled, and unborn children. And though our focus today will be on unborn children, what we have to say Much of what we have to say is foundational in applying to others who are powerless, vulnerable, defenseless, and disadvantaged. In addressing sanctity of life, it would be nice if we didn't have to address it. We just take it for granted that we all value human life and we don't do things that devalue human life. We shouldn't have to say these things, but it's good to have it set aside because otherwise... There, there are some aspects of talking about the value of human life that we just don't want to talk about. And one of those is abortion. It's really easy to not want to talk about abortion. It's controversial. It's painful. Uh, some of you, I know, have had abortions, in, uh, had a part in abortions, and you have found healing and help in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's, he's thoroughly forgiven you, and, and you uh, have been healed from, from the, the scars of that. Uh, Others of you are really not happy that we were talking about it. And so I pray for the grace of God to cover us and help us to have a good conversation about the view of of the sanctity of human life. If you have had an abortion and you haven't been healed from that, you haven't brought that before the Lord, um, I'm glad you're here and pray that the Father will work in your hearts to bring healing to you. We all have issues in our lives that we need God's grace and truth to be at work in our lives to to bring um, truth and grace and growth in Christ in the light of. What is sanctity, by the way? What is that word? We don't typically use that word much. Um, sacredness is a, is a related word and it means it's valuable. It's it's holy. Its life is sacred, is special, and God-blessed gift. But we're talking about it in terms of the value of human life. What makes human life valuable? So let me pray. Father, you are the giver of every good gift. There's no hidden darkness in you, no shadow of turning. You are full of light and life and truth. You've given us life. In in your son, Jesus, the, the living word of God was life, and his life was the light of people. We thank you for the gift of, of life. We're dependent upon you for it. We pray, Father, for you to, through your spirit, give us clear understanding of the value of human life. And you would keep me from distorting anything, from speaking words that are not true, not helpful, not grace-filled, not, not honoring to your word. And pray, Father, for the working in our hearts today, for for seeing your glory in the gift of life. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what gives human life value? Jesus, when he was teaching not to be anxious about clothing, don't be anxious about what you're going to wear. He said, um, because God's going to provide, are you not of more value than the birds? So why is Matt Eldridge more valuable than a bird? <laughs> True. Every human being is made in God's image. Every human being is made in God's image. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Every man, woman, boy, girl is created in God's image. And that wasn't erased by the fall. That was It was corrupted by the fall, but it wasn't destroyed by the fall. So you all are created in God's image. You're, you're imaging God right now. And God didn't just put that in motion and then step back and let it run its own course. He is intimately involved with our formation in our mother's womb. Yes, God designed natural processes for reproduction and for um, the development of human life from the joining of two tiny cells to fully mature men and women. But he is closely involved in those processes. And we read that from Psalm 139. We see it in Psalm 139. Verses 13 to 16, for you formed my inward parts. God formed my spleen, my liver, my lungs, my heart, my brain. You knitted me together. You embroidered me together like a quilt in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. That's a symbol of the darkness of the womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. We are human because of what we are, not because of what we are able to do. We are human because of what we are not because of what we're able to do. So we need to get specific and ask, are fetuses human? Preborn children, are they human? One, One man put it this way, if the unborn is not human, no justification for abortion is necessary. But if the unborn is human, no justification for abortion is adequate. This is the issue. This is the crux of the matter. Is the unborn human or not? Embryology textbooks say human life begins when the male seed combines with the female egg, forming a unique human being, unique DNA, with the capacity for self-directed development. Um, one, one, uh, Dr. Jerome Lejeune, a professor of genetics at the University of Descartes, says, after fertilization has taken place, A new human being has come into being. It is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. It is plain experimental evidence. Now, science, humanity of the unborn from science, science can't tell us the value of human life. It can just tell us the physical aspects of what human life is physically, biologically. In 1981, a U.S. Senate Judiciary Subcommittee heard expert testimony on when human life begins. Professor Micheline Matthews-Ross of Harvard University Medical School told the subcommittee, it is incorrect to say that biological data cannot be decisive. It is scientifically correct to say that individual human life begins at conception. The subcommittee report concluded, after hearing all this testimony, that physicians, biologists, and other scientists agree that conception marks the beginning of the life of a human being, a being that is alive and is a member of the human species. There's overwhelming agreement on this point in countless medical, biological, and scientific writing. So why would anybody doubt that? Many who support abortion rights acknowledge that the fetus is a human being. Many of them acknowledge that. Many of them know that. They just believe that the rights of of the mother not to have an unwanted child are more important than the child's right to continue living. They deny that the life of the fetus deserves the same protection as the life of a toddler or a teenager or a tween or an adult. You didn't come from an embryo. You once were an embryo. At no point in your prenatal development did you undergo a change of nature. You began as a human being and will remain so until death sure you you lack maturity at the early stage of your life. Um, many of you have matured beyond embryonic level <laughs> yeah yes, even Roy <laughs> but you were you were human nonetheless, and it is biologically inaccurate to say that the zygote the embryo the zygote that implants itself in in the mother's womb, the embryo, or the fetus, is just a part of the mother's body. The claim that it is just a part of the mother's body is often made as justification for abortion. My body, my choice. But the embryo, or the fetus, is a unique individual with a unique genetic makeup. If the embryo or the fetus draws sustaining support from the mother's body, doesn't mean that it is just a part of the mother's body. Now, we must admit that there is a period of time following fertilization during which human beings do not look much like a human being, at least the way that we think of it. In truth, a human blastocyst, hey, you were once a blastocyst. You were just a fertilized egg. A human blastocyst looks exactly as a human being should look at five days after fertilization. Nevertheless, it can be difficult to feel much emotional attachment to something that so little resembles a baby. But what we don't realize is how quickly the developing human takes on the characteristics that that are so familiar to us in human beings outside the womb. The rate of growth is astonishing, In fact, during the several days following implantation, the embryo doubles in size every day. If such rapid growth continued at that rate, the baby would be larger than the sun at birth. Ladies, how painful would that be? (laughs) In just six weeks' time, the human embryo goes from looking like a bunch of cells to looking like a baby though only a half an inch tall. The baby has a beating heart by at least 21 days. is three weeks. Uh, brain waves start as early as six weeks. By the eighth week of pregnancy, every organ is present and in place. The embryonic period is now over. 90% of the structures found in an adult human being can be found in this tiny eight-week-old embryo, now called a fetus which is only about an inch and a half long. The brain at this point accounts for almost half the body's total weight. And 75% of eight-week-old fetuses demonstrate right-hand dominance. Now, what does the Bible say about the humanity of the unborn? Science says certain things. The Bible says certain things. Well, as we saw in Psalm 139, the psalm writer says, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. You were seeing me without an ultrasound. God saw you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven, even before I was fully formed, you had already formed my days for me. So you were always me. You weren't a non-person. In Job chapter 10, we find Job in the depths of despair. If you've read Job, you know he was despairing a lot. And he was consumed with grief that he, he laments his very existence. He asks God, why did you bring me out from the womb? Would that I had died before any eye had seen me and, and, and were as though I had not been carried from the womb to the tomb, womb to the grave. The person in the womb was not something that would become Job. The person in the womb was Job. And he could have died in the womb as a person who was a living. Job argues that it is God's work in the womb that that compels him to not mistreat his his servant. Did did not he who made me in the womb make him and the same one fashion us in the womb? Even though Job was born to a free woman and his servant was born to a bondwoman, they were both formed by God in the womb, and this becomes the basis of their mutual value and worth. Abortion destroys something that God is actively creating. And as Job 121 says, God alone has the right to give and take life. In Psalm 2210, King David declares that from my mother's womb, you have been my God. In Isaiah 49.5, God traces his authority in calling over Isaiah back to the fact that he formed Isaiah from the womb to be his servant. Jeremiah, in the misery of his ministry, wondered why God didn't kill him in the womb. He was a living person in the womb. When Rebecca was pregnant with uh, Esau and Jacob, uh, the children in the womb struggled together. They fought the babies, the children. And the word used is the word for children. The preborn John the Baptist leaped for joy at the presence of the embryo Jesus. Jesus may have just been a, uh, an embryo, he may have been a, a zygote. Just a few days probably before John the Baptist when he was six months old leapt for joy. God called the Apostle Paul from his his mother's womb. Because the words of God use the words that God uses to describe children in the womb is the same as those out of the womb, because of the types of things God ascribes to children in the womb, because of so many of the Bible's personal histories are tied to the womb, and because God is regularly Uh, identified as the one at work in the womb, we cannot help but conclude that God expects us to treat children inside the womb with as much dignity, care, and respect as we would treat children outside the womb. There is simply no indication in Scripture that the lives of unborn children should be viewed as insignificant or or as disposable. As an embryo, you are a human being. You didn't become human at some arbitrary point in your development. You are human because of what you are, not because of characteristics you acquire as you develop. So what do we conclude from this? Well, we should not unjustly take the lives of pre born children, or of any human, for that matter. We should not unjustly take the lives of pre born children. There are many scriptures that condemn the shedding of innocent blood, Though every person inherits a sinful nature from conception, there are no more innocent human beings than the unborn babies. And though God hates all unjust taking of innocent human life, he especially hates the killing of defenseless children. The unborn child is most vulnerable because he or she is invisible, hidden within the body of the mother. So it's easier not to see the killing that takes place. Every elective abortion is the unjust taking of innocent human life. From 1973 through 2011, nearly 53 million legal abortions happened in the U.S. In 2013, there was an estimated 984,000 abortions. That was down, thankfully, from 1.02 million in 2012. 21% of all U.S. pregnancies end in abortion. So that means there's nearly 2,700 abortions a day, 112 an hour, and almost two every minute. Why is abortion accepted and prevalent? Why is it still so accepted and prevalent? Well, there's still some deception about the humanity of the unborn in spite of the availability of the knowledge of, from science that the embryo is a is a human life, the fetus is a human life, the unborn baby is a human life. There are still many people who think that at least in the early weeks the fetus is not a, a human being. It's just a clump of cells. Many still see the the baby as only potentially human at most. And it's still uh, claimed by abortion counselors when they're trying to encourage an abortion. There are distorted views of the value of human life. Um, over the summer, I don't know how many of you got exposed to this, but there was uh, a group called the Center for Medical Progress. They did undercover videotaping of Planned Parenthood staff uh, selling aborted baby baby parts for profit. And much more prominent in the news and much greater outcry went up over the death of Cecil the Lion, who was shot by uh, Dennis Walter Palmer in Africa. So we've got uh, some distorted views of the value of human life. Another reason for the uh, prevalence of abortion is we acknowledge that the fetus is human. Many people do acknowledge that the fetus is human, but deny that it is a person who has a right to life. Some say that you may be a human but are not a person until you are self-aware and can interact with your environment. In that case, a two-day-old infant is not a person because he or she is not self-aware and can't interact with his environment. If we could have justifiably killed this infant eight or ten weeks in the womb because he is not a person, we could kill him at two days out of the womb. Do the differences between a fetus and a toddler or teenager or an adult mean we can justifiably kill the fetus? Well, remember this acronym, SLED, S-L-E-D. There, the difference, here's the differences between uh, the fetus and, and uh, someone out of the womb. The size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. So size. What does size have to do with the value of, of one's life? Smaller people are no more, no less human than those who are bigger. So the Blazers and the Seattle Seahawks are not more valuable than our church staff because we're not very big. (laughs) Embryos and fetuses are smaller than newborns, just as newborns are smaller than infants. Infants are smaller than toddlers. Toddlers are smaller than teenagers. Teenagers, most of them, are smaller than adults. Being smaller in size doesn't mean being less deserving to live. It is lawful to kill a fly, not because the fly is smaller, but because the fly is not a human. So if you had any uh, concerns about killing flies, go, go for it. Level of development. Physical and or intellectual development has nothing to do with determining personhood outside the womb is equally insignificant for determining personhood inside the womb. Children are generally less developed than adults. People with developmental disabilities may be less developed than some children or adults. And those with extraordinary mental capacity are no more human than those with lesser IQs. It is humanity, not brain capacity, or physical capability that determines personhood. How about environment? How about where you live? What, does that make a difference? Whether uh, what, you are, what you are determines whether you are a person, not where you live. A 24-week-old 20, in the womb doesn't suddenly have a change in nature when he comes out of the womb a few weeks later, just because he is out of the womb. Changing your environment or location doesn't take away or add to your inherent value as a person. Moving from Portland, Oregon, to Camas, Washington doesn't make you a better human being. Sorry, if you were hoping for that. More deserving of life by moving to Camus. How about degree of dependency? It's common to hear a claim that unborn is not a person who has a right to life because it depends on the mother to live. But a 10-day-old infant depends on its mother to live, as does a 2-year-old. Teenagers still are dependent on their parents to live in some degree. So are they less worthy of life? Some adults, due to age or disease, depend on family and and medical care to live. Can we justifiably put an infant or a toddler or a teenager or an ill family member to death because they are dependent on us? There is a terrible history of denying human beings or persons as justification for mistreating them. And for this MLK weekend, Martin Luther King weekend, um we remember our own history of not considering African Americans as persons who had the same rights as white people. So it's been done denying people to persons so you can take advantage of them in some way. Denying that the unborn are persons because they are dependent on their mother or because of their level of development is the same thing as denying that infants are persons because they are dependent or not developed. If it is acceptable to kill preborn humans because they are not yet persons, then it is acceptable to kill infants for the same reason. And some have said that. Some have taken it to its conclusion. Peter Singer of, of Princeton Seminary is, is, is claiming you sh- we should have a 30-day 30, 30 window after birth where it's still okay to kill. We, another reason that we um, abortion is still so prevalent is we value personal circumstances more than the fact that the, that the fetus, the preborn, is human. Some of us are pro-life and against abortion until there's an unwanted pregnancy that impacts us, us or our family. A pro-choice leader once said that most people are pro-life with three exceptions. Rape, incest, and my situation. There are sad, hard, and tragic situations that some pregnant women face, but the solution is not to take the unborn baby's life any more than it would be to take a 10-week-old infant's life, or a toddler's life for that reason. Some believe it is better for the baby to be aborted than to be born into bad circumstances. Some see abortion as merciful in that it spares the baby from being born into bad circumstances. It's true a baby may be born into bad circumstances, but the issue is the unborn baby is a, is it a human being? If it is a human being, it would it would be wrong, just as wrong to kill a, a toddler or an infant who is in bad circumstances, as it is to kill an unborn baby because of bad circumstances. Um, not seeing the ultrasound, for many of us, just hearing or reading about the Humanity and the value of of the the life of the unborn baby doesn't impact our conscience enough to choose not to abort an unwanted child. We hold on to the idea that it's just a clump of cells, or it's just a product of of conception. But seeing an ultrasound of of the tiny baby can convince of the truth that the fetus is a developing child who deserves not to be killed. Many abortion-minded women have chosen life for their babies when they see the truth of what is inside them, a human baby. And we just need to mention that the abortion industry involves big dollars. The undercover videos that exposed the the callous dealings in fetal body parts for profit revealed one facet of how Planned Parenthood was profiting from abortions. The abortion industry brings in $831 million a year for abortion services. That's what they bring in. The government supplements that to $337 million per year. Planned Parenthood gets $0 for referring to adoption, which is a great opportunity for um, an, an unwanted child because somebody there are thousands who want children that are unwanted. They get $0 for referral to an adoption. They get 431 bucks for an abortion. So where do you think they're going to put their effort? What do you do, what should I do if I've had a part in an abortion? There's a push today by some pro-choice people to encourage women to feel good about their abortions, to boast about it, say, hey, I'm, I had an abortion and I'm glad. And there are some who are doing that. And and even some of those who recognize that they they took the life of of a human being. This is in contrast to the guilt most women feel, even after they've been told that it's their body, their choice, or that what was inside them wasn't really a baby. Uh, Early on, I was a new Christian. I was dating a girl who was a new Christian, and in her past, she had had an abortion. One day we were driving somewhere, and I don't remember what we were talking about. The radio was playing. There was music on. When suddenly she burst into tears and cried out, I killed my baby. I killed my baby. That began a process of healing for her through seeking forgiveness through Jesus and getting biblical counsel. In Christ, she was already forgiven. But in her relationship with God and for her healing and growth, she she needed to feel the the pain of what she had done and not leave it buried. For many of us, it's buried. I'm never going to talk about it. No one's ever going to know and i'm just going to stop it and she she healing began when the lord graciously convicted her of the truth so she could receive his abundant grace through god's son who became a human baby in the womb of an unwed teenager so that he as an adult innocent of any sin could die in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, shed his blood for our sins. The shedding of innocent blood of, of the Christ became our salvation so that those who trust in him could receive life. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you've had an abortion, you need to know that God really loves you deeply and he, he has abundant grace for you. And he has deep healing for you available. And it's good to get post-abortion counseling that's available through Pathways locally. What can we do to protect the lives of unborn children? Well, we, as parents, we can model and teach about marriage, sexuality, age-appropriate ways, and the value of life. Um We ought not to justify an abortion because of what we think it's going to do to our lives. Volunteer at local pregnancy care center. So for us, that's Pathways. There are other local agencies as well. Or give financially to Pathways. Or volunteer or give to other organizations that help with those who face challenges with life issues, such as orphan care. So we have All God's Children International, but there are other orphan care agencies, uh, homeless ministry, people with disabilities, and and the elderly. So anything you do that that helps with the value of human life is helping with the, the overall cause of valuing human life and not t- unjustly taking innocent human life. You could open your home to an unwed ch- to an unwed pregnant girl. Help her financially, emotionally, and spiritually. If you're a guy who's had a part in an abortion, take responsibility for whatever you need to do there, whether it's marrying or if that's not wise for some reason, then you help support that child. Be a man, do what you should do. Don't put it all on the woman. Get educated. Eternal Perspectives Ministries has a great web website that includes abortion pro-life issues. Uh, there's one called Abort 73 that you cannot get any better information than, than Abort 73 on on what's going on with abortion. It's very helpful, very educational. Uh, where you can vote for pro-life issues. And then pray. And we'll do that right now. Father, again, we thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for creating us in your image. Thank you that by, thank you the fact that sin didn't make it impossible for us to enjoy eternal gift of life with you. We can have fellowship with you and with one another forever. Because we're made in your image, you made us to relate to you, to know you. And because of Christ, who is the life, the way, the truth, and the life, you have made it possible for us to to be forgiven of all of our sins. Father, whether it's having a part in abortion, whether it's lying, whether it's inappropriate sexual expression, whether it's stealing, whether it's gossiping, whatever our, our sins are, Father, you have provided for us a complete payment, complete redemption. All of your just judgment against our sin is expended on Christ. He absorbed it for us so that what would have been nothing but death for us becomes life through him. Thank you, Father, for giving us Christ. Thank you, Father. He's, in him there is no condemnation. Father, I pray for uh, our hearts and our minds. Father, wherever this message has fallen on our, in it, on our lives, May we feel the sting you want us to feel, the burden you want us to feel, and may we feel also the hopefulness that that we can be a part of a culture of life through the gospel, through your word, through loving and serving one another, through helping, Father, those who are struggling with life issues. May we continue to grow in, in being available, your instruments of grace and truth for life. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.